Dead Reckoning Dinghies and Four Peak Friends. Hold on tight to the grab rails, batten down your back hatches, and heave to, hunties. Because it's time to talk tall to me, sailor. It's my turn to be the cabin boy. You swapped the poop deck last time. <laughs> Welcome back. I am Omen Say. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moans. And this is Talk Tall to Me. A stopped-up seacock under the waterline of Progrock, in which Nautical Mile Nick and Overboard Omen will make fast every single musical track that seaworthy rock band Jethro Tull has ever offloaded at the dockyard. We will sail dangerously close to the Jerry Conway jetty. We will... Increase our stability by taking on extra Martin Bar ballast at Barcelona. And when he gets too tired, we will pilot Peter John to his bunk in the Vitesse V berth. And navigating with our chrysalis compass, we will travel abreast that fathomless flute sloop, the Scottish spinnaker, the Blackpool bilge pump, the Claghorn keel hauler, the one legged life buoy, the cod piece cutty sark, Ian Above Decks Anderson. Ahoy, Omen. Ahoy, indeed. (laughs) Nick, do you like boats? Not particularly, no. Oh, thank you all. We will see you next week. I get motion sick. I have very small ears, so I get ear infections if I go in the water. I was not designed for the sea. You're attributing your ear infections to having small ears? Yeah, like small ear canals, so water gets trapped in there. And it can't get out. Yeah, I got an ear infection multiple times a year when I was forced to take swimming classes in, in elementary school. That's how that's how lobster traps work as well. You know, they get in, they can get in, but they yeah. can't find their way out. I've never tried putting a lobster in there. I think maybe we should try. Hey, yeah, maybe that's what out. that's what they're designed for. Yeah, <laughs> Nick, big big episode today. Big chats that we're going to have about that's right, Jethro Tull actually. Oddly enough, believe it or not, big app for you today. We're covering the last two tracks off of the album proper. We're going to dive into Seal Driver and then wrap it up with a sweet little kiss on the forehead. Cheerio. Well, without further ado, shall we have a listen to Seal Driver, Nick? Yeah, let's get in on it. Nick McGill, there we have Seal Driver. My seal has been driven thoroughly, Omen. Oh yes, it's all worn out. <laughs> this is a this is such a great song to listen to, in my opinion. It's a very funky song. It's very nice. It's a good it's a good return to the tall sound, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I can see this coming right off of Stormwatch, to be honest. There's a lot of very classic tall elements Mm -hmm. to this song, and I'm excited to dive into them, both thematically, musically, construction-wise. Yeah, this is a a great piece to kind of almost, well, I guess to be the penultimate song on the album. Yeah. It's a great one to kind of take us out. Yeah, it's the last real meaty one, so I think it's the one. Like, Cheerio is, is, 
I mean, for lack of a better term, inconsequential, you know, there's not much to it. I mean, there, we'll get into it. Oh, I think there are consequences to be had. Unperk. Unperk, Omen. <laughs> but but this I'm is always this is the the last of the really like deep, deep, uh, substantial ones. Hmm. I agree. And I am excited to chat about it more. The fun thing for me about this song is is the emotional context and the, the emotional kind of I'm looking for a word that is not vibe. The emotional temperature of this song, because mm. it is simultaneously very light and fantastic, but also very dark and heavy. Yeah. It's simultaneously very cold and dispassionate, but also extremely, you know, burning with with the fires of a thousand suns. I think it's I th- I think it's that that combination. We have the spectrum here of Peggy's like killer bass in this song. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. PJV's sweeping stingy synth. Uh, those are the two ends of the spectrum, and right in the middle is Martin, just knocking the hell out of the stings, and really, really, really kind of bringing everything together, and, and kind of being that middle ground for us. If, if you will, we could say that. David Pegg is the seas, the rolling seas underneath us. Okay. And PJV is the the sky threatening with the darkness, clouds above us. And Martin Barr is the lightning which runs between the two of those, connecting heaven and earth. And is is Ian the ship then? Yes. Okay. <laughs> We're on sure. the ship. Sure, whatever. It fits. <laughs> Ian is Ian's the fish, he's an albatross. <laughs> Shall we talk about the music? Yeah, 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 yeah. Since we're already kind of talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, again, crazy funky bass with uh, with Peggy joining, jumping in right in the beginning. Um, we yeah. get some fun jazzy drums, some fun kind of mm-hmm. kind of plinky jazzy drums from Jerry Conway. Very nice. Yep. They're very, very clear in here. He hasn't really... Hasn't really stuck out a whole lot this album, but but he's he's very he's very evident in this song. It's nice. Yes, the thing that's fun for the with the bass for me, I, I you noted this, but I think that the bass really is the driving factor of this song. It kind mm. of makes me feel like it's the sea, as I mentioned. It's could also be the diesel engine. Sure, right, yeah, constant, mm-hmm. yeah, and it has that kind of thrumming quality to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have at the very beginning that doom doom. So we kind of yeah. get set up, we get a melody set up there. Mm-hmm. Once we get into the singing, when Martin brings in with that crazy riff at the beginning to set us up for the verse, the bass takes on that that pulsing, steady quality. Mm-hmm. Take you away from my magic ship. And and then when we have the breakdown, it really does get, as you said, funky. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it does. The the breakdown for between him and Martin is really cool. It's a really good little little combination of those guys. All again, all the while, Peter John is is going ham in the back with either some kind of sweeping stringy sounding synth. Yes. Or every now and then he gets those little twinkly runs. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, he's he's kind of he kind of stays stays underneath and it's it's really nice i like him down there it's particularly for this one i had a glitter and fish oil cocktail once and i got the the sparkly runs i i see i don't think that's a joke that's my concern (laughs) i feel like you would drink a glitter and fish oil cocktail it's very good for your (laughs) omega-3s the structure of the song is fascinating to me Mm, okay so we have the introduction that we talked about. The slow build up, you're saying? Yes, which then mm. explodes into Martin going, Yeah. And then it kind of goes soft again. Mm-hmm. Pulls back a little bit. We get boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it gives yeah. It, which gives us somewhere to go later. Mm-hmm. We have the first two verses, which are so cool. We have lots going on there. But what I specifically want to talk about is the breakdown. Okay. The breakdown isn't just a single breakdown and then we go back to the verse. The breakdown is like a three-act kind of ghost ballet. (laughs) Ghost ballet, yeah. Uh, You know, a standard ghost ballet where we you can almost hear the layers of time and fantasy shifting Mm. underneath you, which which sets up the final verse perfectly, which obviously we'll talk about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we have that little connecting microverse. I would captain you if you crew for me. Follow white flecked spindrift float on a moon kissed sea. I could captain you if you drew for me. Follow white flecked spindrift float on a moon kissed sea. Yeah. It's not an afterthought, but it's it's kind of a, a more personal moment. It's it's a it's addressing whoever it's addressing in, in a moment where it's just like kind of an aside. It's like a whispered conversation almost as yes. opposed to the, the meteor bits of those, those fairly substantial verses. Yes. And it, it, it almost acts as a, as a pivot point to rotate mm. the rest of the song around. Sure. There are two sounds that I think are probably coming from the synth that are really fun. We have a ship's bell sound. Yeah, that almost sounds sound effect to me. I'm uh-huh. not sure that's even even synthy. I think that might be like a dropped in sound effect. It could be, or they could have a you know a metal pot hanging by yeah, sure. Jerry Conway's drum set that he just is ringing. Yep, it's uh, it's very it's very definitively like clang of a bell. Yeah, yeah. There's also a really fun sound that's hard to describe, but I will I will do my best. It sounds a little bit like an insect flying by. It's sort of that. Oh, like way in the beginning, right? Like yes, yes. I what did I write down? I just said a twangy sound, but yeah, yeah. I, it's yeah, very curious choice. This twangy buzz. It really is interesting. That twangy bit. I'm not sure what that's supposed to elicit. I'm not sure what that's supposed to feel like in there. It gives me the impression in that moment of you know you have this huge dark space with the sky and the clouds and the mountains and the sea. And and that almost to me feels like a a seagull going by with that 
Mm, oh, yes. You, you get the Doppler effect where it comes in and right. then goes away. Yeah. Interesting. And to me, that just kind of puts into perspective that vastness and that, that loneliness. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. One thing of note, there is no flute in this song. Ooh. Is there? There is a little tiny flute. Where? At the very, very end. Is it the Morse code sound? Oh, I missed that. Oh, it's that, like maybe it's not. Oh. Hang on, let me pull up the that last bit. That's funny. Oh yeah, that's Martin. No. Oh, but I hear the flute too. I was so caught up in hearing Martin do it, I didn't realize there was flute in there. Yeah, it's just okay. a little layered flute, just just, just kind of super quiet, right at the end. It's the it's the sea foam version of the flute, mm. where it's just it's just barely there. You get a scent of it. Yeah, it's the the echo in the mist. Yeah, you know we've talked a little bit about Ian as a as a painter with music, mm-hmm. and the images for this song are so clear to me. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is one that's fairly definitive. There's not a lot of of wiggle room here to be like, oh, well, is it allegory? Is it this or this or this? I mean, I'm sure there's layer, but there's not, it's not like so opaque that we're left scratching our heads. And then someone tells us in two episodes, they're like, oh no, it was this, you dummies. I think we are viewing a concrete inspiration through the prism of romance. Yes. Which breaks it into its, you know, component colors. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that. Nick, anything else to say about the music of Seal Driver? Nope, I'm good. I'm good. It's so dark. I love it. It's dark like my espresso. That's right. It does not wake you up like your espresso, though, however. It's creamy like the head of my espresso. (laughs) Anything else? It comes out foamy and steamy like your espresso. (laughs) It makes my pee smell funny. Later in the day. Like asparagus. What? Like my asparagus <laughs> Hello, Omen. Here we are. Oh, hey, Nick. Welcome to the Feckless Mums break room. Let's have a little... <laughs> Let's have a little, one on, little one-on-one while nobody's yeah. listening. Yeah, it's, finally, it's nice to finally kind of, you know, have some private time with you. Now, we have... I always try to reserve this portion for the very last of the tracks proper on the album. I think it's time we talk album art with a little Dogs in Midwinter. I'm so glad you brought that up because this album art is so much fun. It's pretty iconic when it comes to Jethro Tull covers. It's the most t-shirtable yeah. Image. Yeah, I have it I have it on a, a bandana hanging on the side of my booth right you now. You sure do. I do. We bought I bought that at a concert that we went to in Odessa, New York, I think. Yeah, in O two or O one. Oh, yeah, it was a while ago. It was a very while ago. So yeah. Do you have the vinyl? Do you have the vinyl pro- oh not with you, but did, did you even do we have a, even have it in Florida? I don't think that I do. No. Well, for everyone. Pull out your vinyls if you have it. If not, do a little Google search. We have ourselves on the front, Jethro Tull, The Broadsword and the Beast. We've got a bit of a, it's supposed to be like a picture, I suppose, a picture frame. A painting. A painting. However, it's 
It's a painting that is sitting on the ground. There is a lip underneath.、Mm-hmm. It's the full square is not the painting. That being said, the the pixie character, if, if the, the beast, I suppose, his wings are coming out of the the, the picture frame. He,、mm-hmm. He's casting a shadow on the picture frame, and his sword is out of the picture frame. And his one little, his left boot his little, is dangling its fall、yeah. off of the frame. Around the the edges, we have the heads of, on the corners rather, we have the heads of four of the band members. I'm assuming it is the remaining four band members, and Ian is in the middle. I believe so. Right? Yeah, it's sort of interesting. You know that that kind of the the heads of four people in the corners is very referential to a lot of medieval art. It also、mm. kind of reminds me of, you know, how in in iconography people set the the four archangels or the four、okay. you know representatives of the elements, etc. Yeah, maps having the the winds placed in certain areas. Yeah, yeah. So they are they are built in a part of the frame. And the picture itself is a is a tossing sea with a a ship in the back left corner, and、yep. Ian is in a hood and cape with pixie、uh-huh. wings, leaning on a broadsword, wearing tights and some some wrap boots, and there's a little a little flute hanging off of his belt. Yeah, and he's got a tail. And he's got a tail. Let's lest we forget the tail, and he's kind of he's kind of jaunty. A sassy little pixie. One of my f- favorite things about this image is that the water in the painting is painted to be leaking out of the picture、mm-hmm. frame next to Ian and making a little pool on the floor. Right, it's leaking over the side. It's it's almost as if Ian himself, only Ian, is coming out of the painting or the the beast rather, and whatever is coming, whatever is touching him, is coming with him. So just a little bit of the water. So it's funny that you interpret Ian as the beast. I interpret Ian as the broadsword or the owner of the broadsword. Because then, if you flip over the vinyl,、oh. what you get is the ship, this sort of classic Viking longship,、okay. with the dragon head coming straight out at you. And that, to me, is the beast. That's、it's、the this, beast. Okay. You know, fearsome dragon with the spikes coming out of the side of his head. Sure. And if you look really closely, it appears that a miniature version of that Ian. Fairy、mm-hmm. is standing on the head of the dragon as sort of like a figurehead, figurehead playing the flute. It looks like it's hard to tell. I can't tell here, but I, 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 at first I thought he was looking through an, a spyglass, but I'm pretty sure he's playing the flute. And it looks like he's cross-legged too, actually. So he's just like comfortable up there. And on your copy, are there words printed on the sails? Yes, it's got the the musicians on the left and the kind of the credits on the right. So music and lyrics produced by engineer, recorded at, illustration and calligraphy credits as well. So cool. Before we get into the artist itself, along the outside edge of the frame is runes. Yes, We've got Norse、yes. runes, and the runic symbols are from the Kurth rune system. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. C I R T H, the Kurth rune system, and they're the opening lyrics to Broadsword. It goes, "I see a dark sail on the horizon, set under a black cloud that hides the sun. Bring me my broadsword and clear understanding. Bring me my cross of gold as a talisman." So cool. Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. I、have an article here about Ian McKaig, written by Malcolm Dome, published in 2015. It's an interview with with Ian McKaig, who did this album art. 
For Ian McCaig, working with Jethro Tull was a labor of love. He was already a huge fan when commissioned to do the art for the band's 14th studio album. It took McCaig 14 days to complete the artwork, and he even admits to completing the final touches while en route to deliver it on the tube. Wow. McCaig says, I was a young illustrator at the time and got a message from my former agent, Artist Partners, about a possible commission. I called them from a payphone in Charing Cross Station. They told me that renowned fantasy illustrator Brian Frode had been asked to do a record cover. Brian. He was too busy. Sorry, Brian Froud. He did all of the, the art design for Jim Henson's Labyrinth and... Wow. What's the other one? Oh, Dark Crystal. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so they'd asked him to do it and he was too busy. And so they asked, you know, would, would Ian consider this project? When they said the words Jethro Tull, I whooped so loud, I'm sure people thought someone had fallen under a train. <laughs> he says Ian gave him a cassette for some of the songs in progress, and we discussed a lot of ideals, ideas together. But the upshot was I went home and sketched an image of a bard tormented by the music from a pan pipe playing Beastie on his shoulder. Ian pointed to the fey little fellow and said, that's our cover. So I suppose... From that perspective, that is, you're totally correct. Yeah. The monster, the, the monster on your back is that little fairy figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did, I do like your idea, but I, 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 I just always seen it, the broadsword. Yeah, least. no, totally. Yeah. It says, the final image was a merging of Beastie and Broadsword. I had just discovered the Narnia books and was struck mm. with an idea from Voyage of the Dawn Treader, where a painting of the sea comes to life and begins to spill out of the frame. The lyric from Ian's song, I see a dark sail on the horizon set under a black cloud that hides the sun, combined with my Beastie from this first sketch and completed the picture. Very nice. Very cool. He's actually, just looking at his article on Wikipedia, he's pretty gosh darn prolific of a designer. I mean, he has done so much, some very notable things. He is best known for designing Padme Amidala and Darth Maul, and, and they're key designs. Yeah, how cool is that? It also says that for some of the concerts, they built the actual frame Ooh. from the album art around the stage, and then had some kind of sheet on it okay. and would, would drive the ship through it so the ship would crash through it on the stage. Wow. Really crazy. I Love mean, that. I mean, you can totally see the kind of Jim Henson-y direction of all this. It Absolutely. Of, a lot of this album is very, you know, you, you, think, you could think of that series, The Storyteller. Do you remember that, Jim Henson's? Yes, I love that. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, he's actually written, He's well, he's the author of four DVDs on visual storytelling and concept design. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's pretty cool. His name is, we're probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's Ian McCaig, I-A-I-N-M-C-C-A-I-G. Very cool. Very, very cool. Great artist. Definitely one of my favorite album covers for Jethro Tull or for anyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 pretty hip. I like it a lot. Nick, I've just run out of lemon pound cake, so we should probably leave it there. Yeah, you know what? We might as well move along. I I've been meaning to tell you to to cut back on the lemon pound cake. So you know, I'm gonna take a jog around the building. Do it, and I'll meet you back in the studio. Gotcha. Here I go. <sighs> okay, and we're back. Welcome back. Okay, take a breather. Welcome back. We are on the second part, 
We are on the second part here. We're going to dive into lyrics. Now, I have a tiny little snippet from a live album where Ian does his like proto explanation of what a song is about, like in yeah. in a sentence. But let's let's dive into lyrics first and then see how we check out here. So, Nick, I mean, the big question mm-hmm. is what is a seal driver? Right. I found that it's a tool that you can replace bearings on on an axle mm-hmm. uh, of your vehicle. You can replace the seal. Yep. It's got a graduated step yeah. system, so you can kind of make it fit the right way. Yep. And that is definitely what a seal driver is. Mm-hmm. However, I think that there is a cultural reference here that is perhaps more the inspiration. Is it someone who hunts baby seals for their fur? Yes, yes, it is that. That's it. Got it. Okay. Uh, my understanding is that, you know, in ages past, the people of the North Sea, mm-hmm. including the Shetlands and the Isle of Skye, would would hunt seals. Right, yeah. Because, you know, they're a huge animal. It, you know, if they were hugely plentiful at that time, it makes sense from a from a hunting and gathering perspective. Lots of fat, lots of blubber. And then there's the seals, again. Right. So it's not necessarily baby seals for, for just their fur. You know, it's not the fur trade. It's practicality. It's it's the, the native people taking the, the animals that they have at hand and using them. Absolutely. Now, as that tradition evolved, there was a, a specific role that evolved within that. So you'd have some people waiting on the shore mm-hmm. to kill the seals when they would come up. But you needed someone to go out into the ocean and drive the seals onto shore. Yeah. And my understanding is that that job, because those seas are so rough and dangerous, was an extremely perilous thing to do. Yeah, particularly because he says at some point, well, I'm an inshore man. I'm an inshore man. Inshore means you're still at sea, but you are close to the shore. So that's where you're going to run aground. That's where you're going to hit rocks and stuff. So it is a very dangerous job. That's where the currents are switching direction, mm-hmm. you know, unexpectedly because of the the rocks that are underneath the surface. Yeah. And I can imagine that, you know, before the days of of motorized engines, it was even more difficult and dangerous. But Oh, gosh, yeah. But it sounds like from what I read, it sounds like, you know, this tradition was still going on as late as the 1970s. Wow. Okay. So it's possible that Ian could have seen this taking place. At oh, some sure. Point. Maybe not at this exact time. But at some point when he first maybe visited Sky. It, it certainly wasn't that far from memory. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Which is cool because in that context, it puts this song into one of the categories that you could put it into is that like agricultural slash hunting processes that are dying off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. You know, it's a little bit of, of an ode to this former way of life. Yeah. Now, that makes sense for what a seal driver would be. However, why is he saying to the love character, whoever the you is, the passenger, I'll make you my seal driver. Think I'll make you my seal driver. You know, it seems like this is, there is a romance in this song, right? That's ultimately what it is. Mm-hmm. Be my boat, baby. Be the reason that I'm going to see. But I will make you my seal driver. I mean, we've got 
the end of each of the verses, think I'll make you my seal driver, let me make you my seal driver, going to make you my seal driver? Well, that's a really interesting question, and I think there are several possible answers. One is the the romanticization of ships and the, you know, the ships are often in English referred to as, as she. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it could be like, oh yeah, I'm going to ride you all over town. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's a little, sure. A little bit reminds me of, I'll make love to you. In all good places. You know, that there's kind of that overlap between Wild. the landscape itself and his lover. Yeah, and and maybe, I didn't think about it at first, but uh, the ship doing the job could also be the seal driver. It doesn't have to be the person doing it. The, you you get in the seal driver, you know? Uh, that is that is my thought, yes. Yeah. I always I always imagined the ship as... as the seal driver. Hmm. And that leads to another thought, which is that apparently, you know, the relationship between the sailors who did this work and their boats was extremely emotional and and nostalgic and and very, you know, there was a lot of pride about, oh yeah, this is my boat and, Hmm. and it's kept me alive this many times. And it, it's what allows me to feed the village and all this stuff. Right. Yeah. So there's a partnership there. Yeah. That I wonder if, you know, he's sort of saying, it's a funny sailory way to say it, but like, baby, I'm going to make you as important to me as my boat. Yeah, the most important thing in my life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. You, you, will, you will then provide for me and I will take care of you. Yeah. yeah it's a very. She got a big old ballast. She, got, whew, she can float. The very, it's, it's a very like geo-specific way of saying how much you would love and appreciate someone. Yeah. And I like that so much now that I think about it. It's so funny. Yeah. And it's endearing, too. And that there's a productive element of the relationship, like you and me, baby, we're going to drive so many seals. (laughs) We we will force so many seals to their death to be clubbed. Oh, you can't even, you don't even know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the bulk of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get a lot of nautical references. I mean, obviously, it's they're not even references. I mean, it's straight up description here. It's it's nautication. It's it's the naughtiest of cations. Yeah. So does does the clip that you have, does it fall in line with, with what we said or or are we about to be scuttled here? It's actually spot on. It actually helped to explain it more. Should we hear it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to play a tune now that explores the subtle differences between the ship and the woman. There are quite a few actually and I haven't discovered them all yet, but here's a parade go. This one is entitled, confusingly, Seal Driver. Seal Driver. Okay, so translation, Ian says, going to play a tune now that explores the subtle differences between the ship and the woman. Yeah, there you go. There are quite a few and I haven't discovered them all yet, but here's a brave go of it. This one's called, quite confusingly, Seal Driver. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, pretty spot on. What I think is so cool about this song is that from a very specific historical hunting context, mm-hmm. he paints us this picture. He creates this landscape. Okay. Of That is very specific and concrete. Mm-hmm. But within it, there is room for this fantasy. Right. And he's, he's able to, t- he's talking to his passenger who is, you know, presumably... The woman. Mm-hmm. I'll take you away on my magic ship. I've, I have 200 diesel horses thundering loud. 
take you away from my magic ship. I have two hundred diesel horses thundering loud. It's quite a lot of power. The heaviest of horses. The heaviest of horses. <laughs> Seabirds call your name and the mountains on fire and the, as the summer lightning cuts the sky like a hot wire. Seabirds call your name and the mountains on fire as the summer lightning cuts the sky like a hot wire. I mean, you, you kind of get this image of the sun setting behind the coolins. Oh, definitely, yes. And, and the you know, the lightning coming down from the storm in the distance and it's very charged and intense there's a lot going on so it's it's already a very sexy atmosphere right it's this it's the sexiness that we felt with don ringill i think Mm -hmm. the danger the sexiness the natural kind of primal power and man when you're at there are some places on earth where you're just like oh i feel so small and just totally at the whim of nature yeah yeah it's sexy yeah yeah there's a there's a almost a a defensive like animal there's almost a, a lizard brain reaction of i could die at any moment i need to procreate i could procreate at any I moment i need to die. i need to die. <laughs> yes that's what the court said about me actually it's, when, uh, <laughs> when i'm riding my 50 cc scooter through the the desert mountains here around santa fe mm-hmm. i get a little overwhelmed with the the sexiness the nat the, the nature sexiness of the the mountains and the, the the sky and just the the landscape of it is very intense. All the cactuses and roadrunners really do it for you, huh? They, they're formed in some provocative shapes, Nick. So then, you know, okay, he's got he's got his date out there on the boat. Then he starts. What's what's the term? Not negotiating. What's but uh, talking it back a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess negotiating. I'm no great looker. I'm no fast shakes. I'm no great. So he could be, he could here be talking about both himself and his boat, you know, mm, or his boat as mm-hmm. an extension of himself mm-hmm. or the, or vice versa. Not good looking, doesn't go that fast, but I'll give you a steady push on a six knot simmering high tide. I'll give you a steady push on a six knot simmering high tide. Yeah, I'm reliable. I can get the job done as long as yeah. you, as long as it doesn't need to be fast. I, we'll, we'll get it done. Right. I, not fast, but powerful. Yeah. I can hold us down, keep our head to the wind, or let us roll on the broadside, cold spray flying in. I can hold us down, keep our head to the wind, or let us roll on the broadside, cold spray flying in. That's an interesting little nautical distinction there. If you put the head of the boat into the wind, it's more stable mm-hmm. because the waves are crashing and the wind is crashing laterally against the prow of the boat. It's splitting, yeah. It's splitting. It's being more aerodynamic. Yep. If you roll to the broadside, then all that's hitting you on the side. Right. Which means the boat is going, wow. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a palm pushing you on, on the flat of the back versus on the, on the side. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Aerodynamic and hydrodynamic. And romantodynamic. This is romantodynamic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me make you my seal driver. And we'll ride on the swell and our hearts are alive. We'll ride on the swell and our hearts are alive. 
I mean, that's pretty sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Your life is at risk. You feel so alive. You know, you got that energy pumping that you got the adrenaline going. Well, and the role of being on a boat, you know, probably mm-hmm. the reason that you don't like boats, Nick, is because the roll and crest and, yeah. and drop of the boat is replicates the feeling of the the motions of the act of procreation. If I ne- uh, wait, is that why I don't like it? Because it feels like <laughs> procreation? Or is it because I throw up and because I then make the two, I tie the two together that yeah. procreation and throwing up and I get this yeah. kind of Pavlovian response? Don't worry, baby. I, I always throw up during sex. It's it's not you. It's just my way of appreciating you. <laughs> Do you have any protection? Yes, I did take a Dramamine. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> you got to bag it before you tag it. Yes, that's why I brought this air flight pocket bag. <laughs> oh, boy. And then we go into the, the little aside. I could captain you if you'd crew for me. Oh, how sweet. <sighs> I could captain you if you'd crew for me. Yep. Ian's the top, obviously. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Uh, it's a power bottom. Follow white-flecked spindrift float on a moon-kissed sea. <laughs> On a white flag spindrift Blown on a moon-kissed sea So, Nick, what is spindrift? Spindrift is the when you've got the crest of a wave that is particularly... Crest of a nave. A particularly frothy nave. Yeah. When the the wind blows that foam off the top, that is the yep. spindrift. Yeah, so cool. Such a specific word. There was The Greeks even had a deity of spindrift. What? That's cool. Yeah. There's a, I believe there's a seltzer, a, a, a fruit seltzer yes, that is yes. also called spindrift. In Greek and Roman mythology, Leucothea was the goddess of spindrift. Also, and more rarely, called spoon drift. <laughs> that's when I'm that's when I'm eating my cereal and I miss the bowl because I'm not paying attention. Because <laughs> you're playing Mario Kart. Yeah. <laughs> I love being the little spoon drift. <laughs> So then we go, Nick, then we go into the fantasy section. Sure, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And this is, this is activated for us. This is um, kind of broken open for us. We, you know, the, the real world breaks apart with this fantastic instrumental breakdown. Mm-hmm. And we have the more funky parts. We have the more kind of epic. We even have a sense of the anecdotal. Mm-hmm. I'm getting chills talking about it. And then the singer starts saying to his love and also perhaps to us, perhaps even to himself, could you fancy me as a pirate bold or a longship Viking warrior with the old gods on his side? Could you fancy me as a pirate bold or a longship Viking warrior with the old gods on his side? You know, he's connected to all of these other realities. Yeah, and it's it's the the generations of seamen that... Yep, I knew it. Yeah, that was for you. Thank you. The generation of seamen who who have been on these oceans doing sure. maybe not seal driving, but going out to pirate or or going to conquer as, as, a, as a Viking. They're all connected by this ancient. And when you get down to the base of it, what's the difference? If you're going out on a boat to risk your life to make profit for someone or some people that you love. Mm-hmm then there's not that much difference between being a pirate or a Viking warrior or a seal driver. Yeah. You're part of that that nautical maritime tradition of danger and profit, which is sexy. And I think we get that imagery of of 
think about me as a pirate, think about me as a Viking, kind of that that ties back up to the first portion of that second verse. I'm no great looker. I'm no fast shakes, but I've got a steady push. So mm-hmm. you can rely on me and and I can be safe. So let's romanticize it a little bit. You know, it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. A- and, you know, I'm not, I'm special because I'm not just like the the normal seal driver. I'm the seal driver who can also see into this realm of fantasy mm. and bring you that like the the beauty to recognize the beauty of what we're doing here. Yeah. It's so cool. Well, I'm an inshore man and I'm nobody's hero. Well, I'm an inshore man and I'm nobody's hero. You've already pointed out that line, you know, he's not sailing the seven seas. He's sailing from this bay to this bay and around this horn. Right. But I'll make you tight for a windy night and a dark ride. But I'll make you tight for a windy night and a dark ride. Meow. Yeah. I mean, hard to deny the sexual connotation of that line, but also to make something tight in nautical languages to make sure it's secure. Right. Make sure it's operating well. To tighten a knot. Yeah. Yeah. And to, is your ship... Tight. Yeah, tight meaning waterproof. Tight meaning the sail sure. can be the a sail can be tight, which means it the the force of the wind is a lot more effective. If you have a loose sail, you're not grabbing as much force from the wind. And everything's, you know, nicely tidied up. Yeah. You're not gonna trip over a random rope. Right. Ship shape. Let me take your hand and bring you alive. Gonna make you my seal driver. Let me take you in hand. It is so colloquially sweet, but I, I really do have a new appreciation for this song. I do too. I never really understood it <laughs> or why I liked it so much. Now I have a better sense of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, it was, it was kind of a throwaway for me, to be honest. It was the <sighs> stepping stone to, to Cheerio. I use every part of the Tull album I know. when I hunt it. I, I really I really should have driven Seal Driver onto the shores and used all of it. I'm a snout to tail Tull listener. <laughs> Even the awful of Tull is uh is usable. Oh, you know. Stuff it with oats and boil it. Boil. Good. Yep. Delicacy. I reckon we should maybe kind of do a quick little lissy poo of, uh, of of Cheerio here. Let's do that. Along the coast road, my love and land, the early lights of winter glow. I'll a cup to you, my That was Cheerio, Nick. My goodness, what a sweet little tune that was. I think it's important to remember that this song originates in this position on this album because, you know, my familiarity with this song is always thinking of it as the closer, the final, 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 final closer for a live Jethro Tull concert. And I think it probably has been that for ages. I would be curious to know 
how many times it has been played live in concert. Yeah, the it's it's interesting because whenever we saw them use it, it wasn't Ian singing it. It was basically like played off of the CD. Right. And and that's like right. when they would bow and and leave the stage, you know. It was the yeah. final final uh after they came back and played 12 minutes of of Aqualung for the 3000th time. Yeah. Cheerio is 616 times. That is a lot of times. It actually looks like they, they kind of did it in the run where we saw them. It was 82, they did a bunch. 90, they did a bunch. Looks like 97, then 2000 to 2007 when we saw them. Yes. And then not again until 2022. Interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember if when we saw them, it was the recording or if or if Ian kind of... I wonder if it was played live when we saw it. I, I genuinely don't remember. What I what I do notice about the recording of it is that it's literally just synths and voice and flute. Yeah. Although the flute could also be voiced by a synth. There are voices underneath, but they're the synthy voice that's like through the filter. It's it's like extra auto tuned or whatever. There's there's a little background singing. One imagines that this could be everyone taking their bow, and just Peter John Batiste playing it out. Yeah. And then giving a little like you know, nod from his his cage of keyboards. And Ian singing it, you're saying, at the same and time. And Ian singing yeah. it, yes. And then tooting a little flute at the end. I don't, from my memory, I don't recall him, them ever actively playing this. Yeah, it's, it, that's a good point. In no way am I like disparaging like, oh, they should have been. Like, no, it's a great little, a little button closer. It, it's the, it's a great way to play themselves off. Like, I think it's great. Yeah. Right, and you need something playing to walk off stage, yeah. so not just awkwardly like, "Okay, bye, guys." Yeah, exactly. I mean, just the 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 din of the crowd cheering and and throwing their underpants, but the din of the underpants, the, the underpants din, Harry Potter and the underpants din. <laughs> not much to say musically. It's, I mean, what can we say? This is a song we've heard so many times. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautifully orchestrated. There's mm-hmm. some lovely chord changes, which kind of produce tension and release okay right i would love to hear a non-synthy version of it i think the sitar version of it the sitar if if a non-synthy version could even exist well i think in the infinite plane of possibilities anything can exist but would it but should it (laughs) it's it's theseus's cheerio like would it would it still be cheerio (laughs) I think you could adapt this. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I think I would. I would like. Uh, I would like D. D. Palmer to to take a swing at this. Yes. It would take her literally two seconds in her sleep to to write this. That's my reaction to a lot of things. Fair enough. This would be better if D. Palmer had orchestrated it. Agreed. Absolutely. When I hear traffic sounds, I'm like, these sounds would be better. Why isn't D here doing this for me? Yeah. Probably because she's busy having her own life, being a human being. Being an, an amazing artist, yeah. Exactly. She is not on retainer for my uh, my pleasure. We do not have that budget. No, I'm, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping we can, can raise a couple of more Patreon funds, and then, oh boy, we'll be reaching out to D. That's right. Nick, the lyrics. The lyrics, very sweet. Very sweet, sweet, sweet little lyrics. Along the coast road, by the headland. Oh man, what's a headland? Oh, I actually am a little uncertain about that. My my understanding is that it's it's something like a peninsula. 
It's kind of, yeah. It's the it's it separates a bay from the main part of the ocean. The narrow piece of land that projects from a coastline into the sea, essentially. A little isthmus. No, uh, no, an isthmus connects two pieces connects of land. Too. Yeah, it's a little peninsula. Yeah, pretty much. But maybe a peninsula needs to be like Florida's a peninsula. I think maybe the the headland is oh, okay. A headland is like significantly smaller. Yeah, scaled down. Interesting. Well, and Sky has a lot of headlands. I'm sure it does, yeah. And a lot of coast roads. That it does. And a lot of early lights of winter. And so, so the early lights of winter glow. I'll pour a cup to you, my darling, and raise it up. Say cheerio. You know what it reminds me of, Nick? Old Lang Syne? That is a, yes, it does. And also, the parting glass. Oh, sure, yeah. My favorite song. My favorite song we sang. This is a very old tradition of this glass is our last to say goodbye. It also reminds me of the song of which I'm forgetting the title. I think it was off of The Secret Language of Birds. The Jasmine Corridor? In that sense that it's it's the the ritual of saying goodbye. It's about the ritual of saying goodbye. There's a, a geographic component that, ah, yes, to leave, you always go on the coast road. It's sort of, it's sort of the Jasmine Cor- Corridor Sky Edition. I love Sky Edition. Yeah, I see that. I like it. It's such a delicious little after-dinner mint. It's really it's really nice. There's something lovely about this because there's something so familiar about the goodbye. It's not a strained goodbye. It's not, oh, goodbye forever. I don't know when I'll see you again. It's We have this relationship where we say goodbye to each other often, and it is bittersweet. And, of course, we will miss each other, and it's hard to say goodbye, but there's a familiarity of it. Yeah. it's we. I know I'm saying goodbye so that I can say hello again. Yeah. That is the first, the first half of the song is, is Ian singing those four lines. And then we get the, basically the same thing, but as flute. And then it, it fades out and it's, it fades out as the person walks away and, yeah. and you, uh, you just fade off into memory until next time, you know? And importantly, it's not goodbye. It's cheerio. It's cheerio. Cheerio is, is more, what kind of catch all, I guess, it's you know? Look up if there's a linguistic... I mean, it has the word cheer in it. Right. Cheerio is an interjection. It's an upbeat parting exclamation. British, 1896, as Chiro. 1918, it became Cheerio. It, obviously, it comes from cheer. The breakfast cereal Cheerios debuted in 1941 as Cheerios. The name was shortened in 1945. Cheer is from circa 1200. Mm-hmm. The face or countenance, especially as expressing emotion, from the Anglo-French chéri, which I believe now is beautiful, right? Isn't pretty, chéri? I think it's a different spelling, but... Right. I wonder if there's a, an overlap there. So it almost it almost is like a smile. Like, instead of saying goodbye, mm. I'm saying saying a word which is related to the smiling countenance of my lover. Yeah, it's like it's like salutations or 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 it's it's the word that encompasses the feeling of the emotion. Slututations. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, anything else to say about Cheerio? No, I think that wraps that up for both of us. I think it does. Say Cheerio.
Nick, have we any mortal about which we can talk? We can talk about the bonus tracks off of Broadsword and the Beast. <gasps> oh, I hope we will. We will. Next week, we'll talk about bonus track. Mm, let's start with number one, I think. Okay. What's that bonus track called, Nick? That bonus track is Jacqueline. <gasps> Jack, Jacqueline! That is quite the song. I'm excited about it. Until then, if you need accompaniment for the long journey that you are taking to the headlands, take us with us. Take you... With- <sighs> Take us with you. You can download our podcast onto your device of choice. And while you're at it, why not leave a five-star rating and review? You can fancy yourself a pirate or a Viking or even a Jethro Tull fan by wearing Talk Told to Me merch, which can be purchased at our Tee Public page. The link is in the show notes. Live your fantasy. We're not going to judge you because we can't see you. Until next week, I'm no great looker, but I am fast shakes, Nick McGill. I am a very specific type of sea foam that flies in your face when the wind is just right, Omen Thomas said. We are a cup raised to you, my darling, the feckless moans. And together, we are all riding on the swell. Talk tell to me. Welcome back. That was Barry White on the Love Wave Radio here, and I'm here with my co-host, Stickums. Hey, boogers, how is it going? Hey, listen, here on the Love Line, we get a lot of questions about how to be romantic, but also true to yourself. And obviously, you know, as uh, as successful Casanovas of the of the Lovosphere, <laughs> we have got a lot, of, a lot of experience with that. That is correct. Here on WLUV. WLUV. Bringing you the love. Sparkles, we have a we have a question in here from all the way from uh, from Wisconsin. It reads, I am a cheesemaker. My mm. primary product is cheese curd. How can I romance the love of my life while still being true to my trade? Oh my god. Gosh, thank you, Wisconsin, the cheese curd maker. Obviously, the important part of the getting the cheese from the milk is adding rennet. So you, baby, can be the rennet to my curd. I love that. We are hearing just this just in. He's now married. Oh, uh, what gosh. else have we got in here? We've got ourselves oh, a bit of an antiquated uh, uh, profession here. We've got a tobacconist writing in saying he's got himself uh, uh, an interest that he would love to slip his little cigarello to, uh, if you know what I mean. <gasps> That's right. Oh, you know, I uh, I met a I met a very romantic tobacconist, and she had a lot of great lines that I want to pass on some of that wisdom. She used to tell me when she was romancing me, "Roll me up and smoke me down to the filter." Oh, and that mercy. just that just that just got me. You could also say you can also try this one, baby. You've left a stain 
between my index finger and my heart. That one's a, a little more evocative. Yeah, <laughs> you, maybe maybe you, save that for later. Save that. I'm going to need gum to stop being addicted to you. <laughs> Do they make patches for our love? Oh, hot, 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 hot. Frankie Four Fingers, um, I also have a, I also have one coming in here. We've got we've got a request coming in from a bookbinder. Sounds mm. like she's not really, you know, she works at home a lot, not not somebody who goes out and is very extroverted. What could you what could you make up for our bookbinder, our lovelorn bookbinder here? Oh my gosh, it could be any number of things. It could be you are the glue that holds my pages to my spine. Yes, you work could it. be you are the dust jacket that protects my soul. Oh, you I love are it. the antiquated Dewey Decimal System. That I used to find my way around the bedroom, honey. Blot me down, I am dripping with romantic ink. And finally, it looks like we've got one more request here coming in. What's that say? Here it is. It looks like a bunch of... Oh, this is slightly embarrassing. It looks like it's a bunch of lonely podcasters doing a, a podcast about a... But a washed-up 80s rock band? Well, you know, uh, nerds need love, too. And, That's true. Uh, and true. So true. I've, got a good, I've got a good line for you. You could always lean close, as close as you dare, to your, your love interest ear. Whatever, mm. their, whatever their gender, whatever their sexuality, doesn't matter. We're not here to judge. And you could always just look at them deeply into the eyes and say, Talk tell to me as a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. <laughs> I'm sliding out of my chair. Oh, honey. Remember, wear protection, drive safely. Next week, we'll talk about skin. It does exactly what it says on the tin.